Welcome, welcome. Hello, and to you online, happy Father's Day. Uh, sorry, no root beer for dads at home. Um, you have to come by. Tell you what, if you come by, even in between services, you online folk, you do a drive-by. We'll uh, hand you a root beer. We'd love to bless you. Uh, I want to thank our staff, uh, particularly Nikki, our office uh, worker, our office administrator, who had to search the world to get us dad's root beer for today. It was, uh, it was like a pilgrimage that she went on, and, uh, but she found it. Like, and what a gift, right? Um, or not. I, I don't, some of you don't care, actually, do you? I just can tell. Just to, it's like we could have given you A&W. You would have been fine with that. A dad's cookie would have been okay. You know, I think, I, I know it. I know it. Um, I'm really glad you are with us this morning. And uh, wanted to just, a, a bit of family news uh, to, to uh, share at the beginning here. Um, yesterday afternoon, Nimal Suravira, longtime member of our church family, went home to be with Jesus. Nimal has uh, been struggling with cancer. Actually, he, he uh, was diagnosed with cancer 20 years ago. And uh, remarkably, God has extended his life for these 20 years. And uh, this last week, uh, while they were wanting him to go into hospice, his greatest desire was to die at home. And uh, he, he was so grateful. They were so grateful that his suffering was not prolonged. And uh, last evening... Um, he passed with his family. So uh, we'll keep you posted. We'll be having a service sometime in the next number of weeks. And, uh, but let's be uh, showing our love to Nimal and Julie and to Noroshi, who uh, have lost a great member. We've lost a very, very dear friend in this, in this congregation. So I wanted to let you, alert you to that. Um, why don't we pause and pray for them? And, and uh, can imagine Dillo and Noroshi uh, just, uh, again, this Father's Day would be especially hard. So we... Uh, Lord, we, we thank you as we gather today. We, again, recognize um, our great need of you. And, and we recognize, Lord, how fragile this life is. That it's not uh, short. It is short, I should say. And uh, in these moments, we want to lift up the Suravira family, God. As they grapple with this great loss, Lord, we pray, would you give them your comfort? You, you've told us, Lord, that you comfort those who mourn. Would you comfort Julie today and Naroshi and Nilkilo and, and the whole extended family, Father? I pray your grace and mercy would be upon them. Oh, God. And for us as we gather today around your word again and around uh, the good news of Jesus, we pray, would you again uh, speak to us in a powerful way this morning? Would you again enlarge our hearts, give us capacity to hear <laughs> and to know you? We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, it's been given some attention already this morning. It's Father's Day, and uh, to kind of celebrate the gift of dads today, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to interview some dads, uh, get a little look at what the, the shape fatherhood has taken in their lives, what they've experienced, what they've learned, and then I'm going to take a few minutes and, from my own experience, answer the question, what parenting has taught me about God. <laughs> Does that sound okay? Okay, without further ado, I'm going to invite, we got two dads being interviewed in the first service. We've got Scott Thiessen. Come on up here, Scott. <laughs> Scott, uh, first question is really, how did you get to be so tall? 
Um, my parents love me a lot. And with enough love, you grow to the proper height. Wow. Wow. And so... So just look around the room. There's some yeah. people that didn't get enough love. That's right. Um, <laughs> love it. Scott, did, you, uh, did your girls uh, give you anything for Father's Day today? Yeah, I got some hugs, I got a card, and I got some novelty candy. Wow. That's really good. You know, at my age with my boys, I get text messages. Oh. That's what I get now. That's what it's reduced to. Te text messages would annoy me, so they don't, they don't do yeah, that. Yeah, that would not be a gift to you, no, would it? No. no, that's right. Scott, tell me, where did you grow up? I grew up in Port, Port Coquitlam, and even though I grew up there, I can't say the name without stumbling, so I call it Poco all the time. Uh, I still live in Poco. And, uh, tell us about your family, your, your parents, your, you got yep. siblings. I got a younger sister. She's two years younger than me. Uh, she lives in Maple Ridge with her family, and then my folks live 700 <laughs> meters away from me. Um, in uh, yeah, they live close I by. I like how you know that it's 700 meters. Well, like, it's that sounds like a Scott thing to know. It's pretty short, and we've measured it a bunch of times just to see how long it was. Because when we bought the house, they had already lived in the neighborhood, and wow. the discussion was, do we want to be that close to my parents? <laughs> because my dad will stop by unannounced. And he does. And he does. And he does. And uh, it's been great because they, they, they actually, now that we have kids, it's great because they look after our kids and we have to go to work early and uh, they come down three times a week. So 700 years is great. Uh, what was your dad like? And, and let me follow that up with how alike him are you or, and how dis, you know, distant are you in terms of... So my dad did not receive enough love from his father because he's only five foot ten. So... <laughs> Um, first off, so we're a little different, but he loves that. He loves standing next to me. Uh, my dad's super awesome. He worked outside his whole life and liked being outside. Um, he's the guy who kind of instilled in me one of my life mottos, which is, how hard can it be? So, oh, look, the transmission's not working. How hard can it be to fix that myself? Oh, look, the roof in the house is leaking. How hard can it be to do that myself? So there's a lot of things that he did, and so him and I are a lot alike in that case. Um, we always encourage each other to buy new tools so that we can borrow them. <laughs> um, he's often in my garage stealing my stuff and how, I'm how, in his and stealing his how stuff. How different are you? Um, we do not like the same reading material at all. Huh? Um, he loves reading theology and I only read it for reference material. I'd rather read other things. And so he's always like, you got to read this really great book. And I'm like, no, I don't. And um, so he gives me books, and then I read them, and then we have to talk about them, and I'm always like, Dad, it wasn't that great. And he, <laughs> <laughs> he thinks it's wonderful. And they, they, they are, they're great, but they're not for me. You're married to Julie, and you have two daughters. Can you tell us about your daughters? Um, well, they're a lot of fun. They, um, it was an interesting part when I, you know, growing up and or having them grow up is... Uh, what do I want them to do? And so pretty much everything. And so um, they're fairly willing to try stuff with me. So they're out in the yard doing quite a lot of stuff and they get dragged around to all of the stores that I like to go to, which is a lot of dad stores, like Summit Tools and Home Depot and the auto parts store. Enough so that when I go there by myself, the, the shop owners will be like, where are your daughters? <laughs> <laughs> they're old enough now that sometimes they get to stay home. Uh, very cool. What's, uh, Scott, what is the greatest joy you have in being a dad? Um, 
well, taking them with me places is probably yeah. the greatest joy, uh, and showing them stuff, and like when they get excited, like, can we go on the roof with you? Absolutely, let's go. Um, that kind of stuff is a lot of fun. I, I enjoy that sort of stuff. Uh, Julie does not like that kind of stuff. <laughs> so she's getting a little bit of support over there right now. And you, you get to do some cool things. Most summers you, you actually schedule time with your boys. Nope, uh, no, my girls. girls. I mean, yep. sorry. I'm one track here with, okay. with my boys. Um, what do you do just about every summer with, with each of your girls? So we do camping as a family, but then I really like backpacking. And um, so I need some backpacking buddies because all of my other backpacking buddies also have children and they, we can't go as often. So my girls have become my backpacking buddies. And uh, we'll go overnight trips to different places. And they're a lot of, it's a lot of fun. That's fantastic. Uh, Scott, what's the hardest thing about being a dad? Uh, probably trying to figure out what I got to do that's right. Like, what's the right thing here? You know, how much do I push on this thing? What do I, you know, wh what should I make sure they're encouraging to do? What should I be modeling? Those sorts of things. Oh, how are we going to, you know, there's, there's no right answer. It's kind of like, well, it could go right or it could go wrong. And then you try to figure that out. But thankfully, um, I got a good wife who I could bounce those ideas off of. So we usually arrive at a spot that we think is good and then we convince ourselves it's the right way to do it. It's more uh, mysterious parenting, isn't it? It's yeah. not all. And you find out afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually pretty clear. Oops. <laughs> the grand experiment. That's right. Um, can you think, uh, Scott, of any ways that parenting has changed you or grown you as a person? Um, I think, well, maybe I'm growing, because this is the part that I still notice that has trouble. Probably patience and understanding. There's a lot of times, like when we go hiking, come on, we just had a break. <laughs> We're not stopping, keep going. Oh, wait, she's nine. <laughs> Um, so that kind of stuff, trying to be like a little patient, a little understanding, um, and just re repetition and that kind of stuff. Sure. I'm going to make you think about God for a moment here. Okay. Uh, what have you learned about God the Father through your experience of being a dad? Uh, I think if God the Father is a lot like a father then he's got to be pretty proud of me because I'm pretty proud of my girls. I like having them. They're not embarrassing to me. I enjoy having them with me. I get a kick out of seeing them do great, cool things. Um, uh, the discipline part is also part of it too. So when that happens, it's with love. And uh, I think that's hopefully reflected, uh, or hopefully I remember that when those things are happening to me. Oh, that's so cool. So cool. Uh, any advice, finally, uh, for newer dads or wannabe dads? Yeah, that's a funny question. <laughs> um, me giving advice. Uh, the, he prepped us with these questions, so it's not out of the blue here. Um, I guess the, the advice is the same sort of thing when I saw my dad. Um, this is what I try to do and what I think a lot of dads should do is you're the dad, so like be the dad. Um, that means you're in charge of a lot of things, discipline, love, all that kind of stuff. You're their dad. And so um, you're, you're in charge of sort of molding what they're going to be as they grow older. And so that comes with a lot of love. And it also comes with a lot of other negative things like correction and discipline and those sorts of things. But that's your job as dad. Okay. So own it. Own it. Go it. 
Yeah. Go for it. Don't let somebody else figure it out for them. Don't say, oh, they'll figure it out on their own uh, all the time. Thank you, Scott. Hasn't he been a great interview? Wow. <laughs> you're a good dad. I think you're awesome. Simon Peacock, a dad with younger children than Scott has. Yep. Great to have you here, Simon. Thank you. Uh, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, doing great. Yeah, Good. doing well. Did your um, kids do anything for Father's Day today? Uh, I got given like a canvas from Everett that he made at school. It was like a handprint made into a fish. And he said, oh. hook on, Dad, I think. Hook on, Dad. Yeah. I don't fish, but it's the thought that counts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You keep that art forever, by the way. You're not ever allowed to yeah, get rid yeah. of it. You, you do. Yeah, it might be in a box in the garage, but <laughs> yeah. you keep it forever. Yeah. Um, I, when you were growing up, you, where, where did you grow up, by the way? Uh, so I grew up about near Cambridge in England. It's kind of about two hours northeast of London. Do they celebrate Father's Day there? Yes. Uh, any Father's Day traditions that you remember as a child? No. No? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not really. You really, you know? No, like, I mean, it would be a special day in, uh, I think, Fairly, most years we would, um, like especially as my siblings grew up and they moved out, then we'd like meet together for a meal, ah, like okay. um, on Father's Day, yeah. Uh, you've got siblings, tell us about those. Yeah, older, older sister, seven years older than me, older brother, three and a half years older than me, so I'm the youngest. Uh, and my sister has three kids and two foster kids, um, and my brother has, uh, has one boy. Um, and all my family live really close to each other. They live within about a 10-minute drive. And then there's me, who's 5,000 miles away. <laughs> wow. Um, what's your dad like? Yeah, my dad. Um, he works really hard. He, his dad, my granddad, was a farmer. So he grew up, you know, like as a kid working on the farm, and he loved that. And um, I think that that gave him a particular work ethic. Like, he just, he works really hard. What was um, his profession? So his profession now is an uh, optician. Okay. He wanted to become a farmer, and his dad said, nah, the industry's getting too difficult. Like, I don't think you should do it. So uh, he's an optician, and he does really good at that. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. What, how else? Give me some other characteristics of your father. Super generous. Generous with his time, energy, money. Like, uh, yeah, really generous. Um, and... Um, yeah, I think those are the main traits. What did you learn from him about parenting? I always remember, it's funny because the, like, I remember this one instant where I was, I was learning to drive and I like backed the, the car out of the garage and scraped up the side of the car as I was doing it. And I remember like going to tell him and being petrified that he was just gonna be like, what have you done? And he was just like, it's fine happens like it's, it's wow. okay and yeah so I think like he would get more frustrated about the little things than about the big things and I think I'd prefer it that way because it <laughs> meant like if there was something big that I had to go to him about and say I really screwed up like uh, then I knew he was gonna be like it's okay it's gonna be okay like um we'll, we'll figure this out together but he'd be mad at you if you didn't you know <laughs> yeah if I like put my hands on the walls and he's like take your hands off the walls <laughs> which is funny because I do that with our kids now because I'm like I know I need to clean that if you keep putting your sticky hands on the walls <laughs> I, I think we had similar dads yeah. my dad was really I scraped up the car one time and he was like really gracious but man if you left the bath mat wet 
and not like, <laughs> yeah. it was like really upset, and <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, their dads are a specific breed, I think. Um, think back to before you had kids for a moment here. How did you feel when you heard that Jenna was expecting? <laughs> yeah, Jenna's laughing as well. So, uh, so Jenna became pregnant uh, three months after we got married, oh. and she was in her last year of nursing school, and I had just moved over here to Canada, like I moved here a week before we got married, uh, and I wasn't like a permanent resident yet. I had an exemption to work about like 16 hours a week. So my income wasn't very much. Jenna was still like, Jen yet graduated. So there's just a lot going on. So uh, I remember the, like, the pregnancy test sat on our like, uh, bathroom counter for like a month or two <laughs> as we were just like processing it. Um, but um, yeah, we read Psalm, Psalm 127. Read that like every day. Um, Children are a blessing of the Lord. <laughs> no, but like actually, like it really helped. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, so I think like when that happened, then it was like, yeah, there was there was a sense of excitement. Oh, like wow, this is amazing. But also a lot of nervousness, and it's cool, you know, seeing how the Lord provided in that time as well, and, and all the times we've needed Him to uh, provide for us since. Wow. Yeah. They had to give you Canadian citizenship after that, didn't they? I mean, like, they really had to let you stay. Yeah, it was still a lot of work. <laughs> like, you think, like, you think it would have been easier, but you're like, we've got a kid now. Like, yeah. can yeah. you just give it to me? <laughs> no, no. Um, tell us about your kids. Uh, so, Everett, five, almost six, and he, uh, he is very sensitive. He has big feelings. He mm. is very empathetic, and he just cares about people a lot. Uh, there's Noelia, three, and she uh, is strong-minded and doesn't care about people. <laughs> no, not, not quite that bad, but they're quite opposite personalities in, in that way. Um, and then uh, minus three months, uh, yet to be named, <laughs> no, uh, three months until our number three is being born. Wow. And... Um, don't know much about her at the moment, but uh, she's kicking a bit. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. An ever-expanding family. You're going to have like five, six more? How many? What's your dream family size, Simon? <laughs> uh, Jenna's pregnancy has been really rough this time. It seems to, seems to get worse each time, and I think that happened with her, her mom as well. So um, this may be the last biological child we have. Like we've like... We've always talked about and, and wanted to adopt, so we'll see yeah. how the Lord kind of... And, you, yeah, and your sister's already kind of modeling that, isn't she? She's yeah. doing foster. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. So Everett, uh, Noelia, uh, who's your favorite? See, when, when you sent me these questions, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to give a really like, uh, like careful answer because the kids are going to be in the service, but they're not, so they're downstairs, so I can be honest. It... It is recorded and will be on YouTube forever. Oh, uh, well, then I don't have a favorite. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not joking about that. I don't have a favorite. <laughs> uh, they're both my favorites, or all three of them are my favorites, um, which is a more gracious answer than they would give if they were asked the question, because there's definitely been days when they'll just say, Mummy's my favorite today. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, 
Okay, thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. You have to tell me. No, they don't play, kids don't play by the same rules that we do. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, what do you love to do with your kids? Uh, they love books and they love reading, which is great because I do too. So, um, so we got Everett these like uh, this set of ten Charles Dickens works, and they're like simplified versions. And I've been going through Dickens works for like a few years I now. I could I could use those. I've tried to read Dickens, and I find yeah. them like they're long. You know, like they're long. They're you yeah. Know. So um, so they're good. And like and so he you know he knows what like David Copperfield is and things like that. And even if he hasn't read the whole thing, then it's you know he knows some of the story and and that's good. But um, so that, and then, and then being outside with them as well, I think, like, just, yeah, just getting outside and doing active stuff, uh, yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, what's been the hardest part of parenting? Yeah, good question. Uh, how long have you got? Mm. Like, uh, <laughs> five minutes? No. Um, I think the age of our kids at the moment, then... Uh, as far as we've experienced so far, um, like, lack of sleep is really tough. <laughs> like, mm. that was like, yeah, that was one that, I, d I don't know if I was expecting it to be quite as rough. Like, um, and with, you know, another newborn coming soon, then we're kind of going to be settling back into, okay, I'm not going to sleep for another year or two. Because um, you think, like, <laughs> you think you're, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah, I get to the age of, like, 22, and you're like, yeah, you're like, in a bit holy, like this is okay, like I'm growing, and then you're like, no, you've just been getting eight hours sleep a night, and then you like add in like, no, now you're sleep deprived, and then you throw in like, you know, a, a long haul flight to England, you've been awake for 24 hours, and you're like, okay, I'm no, I'm not holy, <laughs> like <laughs> the thoughts I'm thinking right now, like. <laughs> so, so parenting is in, in some senses family life period has been a bit of a pressure cooker. Yeah. Revealed some things. Yeah, totally. It is, it's helped you grow. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like David Wood, who's one of our hillside friends. Like he says about the thing that fasting helps you with is realize like, oh yeah, I'm you know like, I, I think I'm pretty self-controlled. And then you like realize, oh no, it's just because like my stomach was full. And like, and when you experience hunger, then you realize that wow, I'm more irritable. Like it reveals. Mm what was underneath the surface. And I think it's the same with parenting. Like, um, uh, is that you realize, you think you're patient, and then you have a kid, like, ask you the same question a hundred times in a row. And you're like, oh, maybe I'm not patient. Or not as patient as I uh, thought I was. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, actually, uh, Eugene Peterson talks about that. He talks about how, especially teenagers, <laughs> uh, have a way of, of growing up their parents. It, it mm. brings up those kind of questions and so yep. forth. It's, anyway, quite good. Um, anything you learned? Give us one thing you've learned about God, the mm. Father, through being a dad. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, um, one thing is, I've heard people say before about, like, well, uh, God, God the Father loves us, but then he sent his son to die for us. Like, well, how's that loving? He's just sending someone else to take his place, you know, like, and so he's, he, he wasn't the one who, who died for us. But as a father, you realize, no, that's the more, that's way harder. You know, like, it would be, it would be easier for me to, to give my life than to give my child's life. And so, um, yeah, even it, thinking about that, thinking about, like, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Not even that he gave his own life. 
you know, which would be amazing. Like, you know, if someone gives up their life for someone else, like that's, wow, how much love. For someone to give up the life of their child is just, yeah, even, wow. even more so. Wow, that's good. Mm -hmm. uh, any advice for new dads or wannabe dads? Yeah, the, um, the advice I was given uh, was take one day at a time. Take it a day at a time, and that's been helpful. Because there are some days when you're just like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you just got to say, okay, each day has enough of trouble of its own. Yeah. Deal with tomorrow when it gets here. But for the moment, yeah. that's... One yeah. day at a time. A lot of life issues get resolved that way or with that yep. perspective. That's mm -hmm. good. Can we get it up for Simon this morning? Okay. That's good. I... Uh, I knew that was going to be good, and it was better than I thought. I love these guys, and uh, thanks for being willing to uh, give us a window into your lives and your experiences. I love, actually, all the dads in our congregation, and uh, I uh, think there's just so much wisdom and heart and dedication that's wrapped up in uh, the men in our congregation, those who mentor or our uncles or our biological fathers. Um, I want to say this, if you're a parent or a grandparent uh, or any of the above, we just want to say we're, we're fans of you and we're cheering you on. You deserve um, lots of encouragement today. I think parenting and family, as we kind of learn, just great insights, guys, uh, can teach us a lot about God. Jesus, you know, when he taught us to pray, he taught us to actually address Almighty God as our Father, <laughs> Abba, right? Um, John, when he described what happens when someone receives Jesus, he says, when you re receive Jesus, you become part of God's family. You have the right to become children of God. The Apostle Paul made this declaration in Galatians. He said, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And so whatever your earthly family's been like, with all its good and with all its bad and everything in between, we have a heavenly father who parents us perfectly. So what are some of the things I've learned about God from being a dad? First, I should introduce you to my family. Most of you know them. I've been married to Angel for coming on 31 years this August. I met uh, the love of my life at university, and uh, for me, truly, it was love at first sight, and for her, it was, this guy is drunk. That was literally my thought, her thought, very, very different. Um, when uh, we first got married, um, we, uh, for a year, few years, wanted to have kids. We wanted to extend our family uh, and found that we couldn't. And so we've journeyed with some of you in that experience of a number of years where we could not have children, uh, unlike Simon, and who just looked at his wife and she got pregnant. Um, that was not our story, right? And so I want to say to you this morning, there are likely people in this room or couples who I know have had that struggle or are struggling with that right now, and we want to tell you we know how hard that can be. But 25 plus years ago, uh, Angel got pregnant and out popped Caleb. Just bing, there he is. Uh, don't get me started on his birth story. 
who was soon followed uh, two years later with Noah. Um, many of you know our boys. They grew up here at Hillside. This is their home church. Um, funny, sometimes when Caleb and Noah's friends uh, meet us, they haven't, they've met them and maybe know them for a long time. When they meet us, they, they usually give two responses. I was surprised how white your dad is. <laughs> and I was surprised how short your mom is. That's, that's their feedback of our kids. Um, I truly like both the guys who shared this morning and like most dads, I think. I, I truly have loved being a dad. It's been a wonderful assignment. Um, it's also been really hard at times and uh, certainly has been incredibly humbling for me. So let me throw you just quickly this morning six things that parenting has helped teach me about God. First, parenting has taught me about the selfless, servant-hearted nature of God. I, I think of when our boys were babies, especially in the earliest days. I'm talking like diaper days. They pretty much do nothing, like nothing. They eat, they sleep, you know, they cry, uh, and they fill their diapers. That's their life, right? That's the range. They can offer you nothing except their cuteness. Like, that's all they got going for them in the earliest months of their lives. But what's amazing, as inherently selfish as I am, I found myself willing to do anything for them. You know, when they cry, you stress out over what they need. When they wake up in the night, you don't roll over and go back to sleep. You get up, you deny yourself. I mean, it's really training and discipleship here. You deny yourself sleep so you can actually care for them. You feed them, you clean them, and it's just, honestly, for many, many years of parenting, it's thankless work. They don't wake up at, at one years old and call you blessed. It's, it's humbling work. You're changing diapers and wiping up poop and spit. It's not glamorous at all, but you serve and you do whatever it takes, whatever the cost. When I tell you God our Father's like that, John says, we love because he first loved us. Uh, and, and he knows what we need. Jesus says, your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And Jesus, this perfect Revelation of the Father, you know, took up a towel and a bowl of water and washed his disciples' feet. Our God is selfless. Our God is a God who serves, and let me state it even more boldly, he loves serving. It's who he is. He cares about our every need. I love that about God. Secondly, parenting taught me God cares about our formation more than he cares about our failures. I think about my boys learning how to walk. You know, it's funny. They make their first step, and then what do they do? They fall down <laughs> immediately. And, and what are you doing, though? You're crazy cheering. They walked. Did you see that? It was like one step they fell, but you don't care about the fall in that moment. You're, I mean, it's, it's, seriously, it's almost like an out-of-body experience when your kid makes uh, two or three steps together, when they manage to eat their first spoonful of food on their own, when they are able to, to ride their bicycle five you know, feet down the street. It, it, it is crazy how happy you are when they succeed in the simplest of things. And, and, and as a parent, 
I got to tell you, you are far less interested in their failures than you are in their successes. You're cheering them on. I think one of our tendencies as adults is we can fixate on our mistakes. Some of us feel like our mistakes that we've, and you know, the, the things we've done, the things we regret, they, they're kind of life-defining for us, and we get stuck, and we beat ourselves up, and we make often harsh self-judgments of ourselves, whereas God's not like that. <laughs> God actually knows we learn from our mistakes. He's not freaked out by our falls because he knows that we grow from them, and he wants us to become more like his son, and he knows that formation comes from actually a lot of practice a lot of trial and error. But I think I've learned from being a dad that our Heavenly Father is cheering us on in the most enthusiastic way every time we make any kind of progress. Think of Luke 15, where it says about the rejoicing, the kind of rejoicing that happens in heaven when one sinner turns. And we think of that as being like the prodigal who returns and it's a big deal, but I'm talking about every time you make any step of goodness, any step towards being Christ-like, God's there cheering you on and there's rejoicing in heaven. Isn't that great? I love it. What an encouragement to us. Thirdly, parenting has taught me God doesn't enjoy disciplining his children. At least I don't enjoy disciplining my children. <laughs> this is, a, as I think Scott exemplified there, parent, it, like disciplining our kids, you, you talked about the, the sort of sense of responsibility that carries why, why would we discipline our kids? We want to grow good humans. <laughs> we, we want them to become people who can discern right from wrong. And so, you know, I, I, I've had to yell at my kids when they were going to run out in traffic because I, I didn't want to see them hurt. We've had to discipline them when, when our boys were, maybe one was bullying the other. I, I think of... Uh, one alpha course we had where we had childcare, and you know they, they brought one of our sons to us because he bit one of the other children in the alpha course children's group, and it was really embarrassing. The pastor's kid is biting another kid. It was like, um, so we disciplined them. Yeah, I think we gave our kids thousands of lines of scripture to write out, <laughs> like literally thousands of lines. Because we wanted to correct their behavior and shape them into people who knew right from wrong. Uh, dis disciplining our children, by the way, just an aside, is equipping them to live well. All kinds of studies around this, as, as in children who are not regularly disciplined, are not happy. In fact, failure to discipline children often results in kids who are unhappy, angry, or even resentful. They don't learn boundaries. They actually struggle more with relationships. Uh, people who haven't been disciplined have a harder time making friends. And so I, I want to say, parents, we ought to firmly but lovingly discipline our kids in order to grow kids who flourish in themselves and also treat others well, become good human citizens. The Bible says God disciplines us. Sometimes he allows us to experience the consequences of our bad decisions. He doesn't rescue us from every bad choice we make. He lets us experience the pain of it so that we grow and learn that that wasn't a good choice. Sometimes he allows us to go through a hard thing in order to grow character in us, perseverance in us, resilient, that we become resilient people. 
We, do remember, we need to remember his intention is never to harm us, but to help us grow so we might flourish and prosper in every way. As Hebrews 12, 6 says, God disciplines those he loves. Therefore, okay, so if disciplining is hard, I love this next one. I've learned from parenting that God loves giving good gifts. Um, you know, I think of a dad, when I think of a dad who loves giving good gifts, it's Dave Forsyth, wrote her here. I mean, he's, he's a guy who actually, I think, just dreams and schemes about how to bless his kids with all kinds of things along the way in their lives. I, I, I think you're just such a great example. That has been the same joy for me. I love giving gifts to my kids. I love the lead up to a birthday or a Christmas. And uh, I just kind of keep an eye out. I, I, I tune my ear to what they might need or what they might want. And I love it when I get it right. And I, and I love getting feedback maybe on Christmas Day where like, Dad, how did you know? <laughs> like, I was paying attention. <laughs> This is so much God. I want to say again to you guys this morning, our Father loves bringing you joy. That's his dream. He loves giving you gifts. Do you remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 7? He says, if you then, though compared to God, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? What this means for us is that when we have a need, as a kid, it's the most normal thing in the world to ask your dad, to ask our Heavenly Father to help meet that need, right? Uh, he loves providing. He loves hearing from us. He, he loves responding and blessing us with the good gifts. How much more will your Father in heaven give? He gave us his Son. He gives us his Spirit. He gives us spiritual gifts, his presence, his life, his joy. As James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. If you have a dad that you love, if your dad was good to you, even that gift is from God. <laughs> you thank God for those gifts. Number five, parenting has taught me how much God loves spending time with me. This is uh, perhaps the biggest surprise of parenting to me. I, I, I would say... Um, my dad, this wasn't a strength of his. We didn't spend a lot of time together. I can kind of think of just a few times where we did sort of one-on-one -on -one things with my dad. I didn't have a lot of that experience. But uh, I love spending time with my boys. It's, it's one of the favorite things I get to do in life. I think of times where we've gone on serious adventures. Let me tell you about the Path of God story another time where we climbed up this mountain and had this epic journey during this one day on the Amalfi Coast in Italy. It was epic. In, in Caleb's last year of high school, I took him out for coffee every Tuesday morning. And we just sat and had coffee with no agenda, just to chat and be together. Uh, he's home this weekend. They both live away. And I cherish the moments when they're home. Yesterday, from about 4 till about Midnight, uh, Angel was with him. I went to bed at 10 because I got to speak today, but I love spending time with my boys. I think the father feels exactly the same way. He loves being with us. He loves it when we turn to him. He loves it when we love him, <laughs> just as he loves loving us. There's always this invitation from God. It's all through Scripture we hear this refrain, 
come to me. Be with me. I'm here. Are you there? Come, be with me. He loves connecting to us in a deep way. He's our father. Number six, finally, parenting has taught me about the unconditional love of God. I love my boys. They're the joy of my life. But while they may be the joy of my life, they haven't always been a joy to be around. (laughs) Particularly when they've acted out or misbehaved or rebelled or lied to us or fill in the blank. But let me say this, even at their very worst, I know it's no choice for me. I could not stop loving them. That, that something has changed in me. I, 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 it was a switch that got turned somewhere along the way, but I cannot not love my sons. Nothing could change that. How much more does God the Father love us? He loves us deeply and unconditionally, And even when we mess up or actively reject him, betray him, ignore him, even in the moments where we live as if he does not exist, God loves us with an everlasting, unfailing love. As Paul says in Romans, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I can say I'd give my life for my sons. It's, Simon, you, that was eloquent. I think that's it's true. I'd rather die than they be hurt. I'd give my life for them, and I mean it. I would. But we should never forget that God in Christ did just that. As Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still rebels... While we were still sinners, while we were still thumbing our nose at God, God died for us in Christ. And so there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do to make God love you less. Isn't that that good news? I think it's fantastic news. These are just some of the lessons I've learned about God from being a dad. I actually had more, and I just had to narrow it down, but I realized, man, I've learned a lot about God through being a dad. All my experience points me to one anchoring fact. That God is good. (laughs) That he is actually really good. And if he's good, it's a game changer. If he's really actually good, as in he knows what's best. If he's actually a good father, it means we can trust him. If he's really good, it means we can believe that he knows what's good for us And he only means good for us. He's a perfect father. There's no shadow in him. Uh, Dads of this world, myself included, we are a faint, faint shadow, right? We do not measure up to heavenly father. And while he's almighty and holy, yet he's our father who deeply cares for his children. And that ought to be a game changer for us. Renowned theologian J.I. Packer wrote this in his, you know, opic, opus, uh, epic, Knowing God. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his very whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. 
And so may God give you grace and me grace to learn just how good our Father is and to live more freely and confidently out of his parenting of us. He loves you so, and he means your best. I'm going to invite the worship team up. I'm going to invite us to pray. I, uh, I had a picture this morning. Uh, God reminded me of a moment uh, when I went on a prayer walk years ago on Bowen Island. I've told some of you this story before. But uh, I was walking on this prayer walk, but I, wasn't, I was just doing a lot of talking. I was just telling God a lot of stuff, just pouring out my heart to him. And I paused at one moment. I thought, maybe it'd be a good thing for me to ask God, is there anything he wants to say? <laughs> you should try this. It might revolutionize your prayer life, by the way. I said, God, is there anything you want to say? And this is what I heard. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you know, Jesus, um, before he did anything at his baptism, before he actually had any kind of ministry life that we know of, the father, one of the, one of the only, only couple of times that he actually spoke from heaven, he said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I believe he wants to speak that over you this morning. You're my beloved daughter. You're my beloved child. You're my beloved son. I'm so pleased with you. Why don't you just um, open your hands this morning to receive what God might want to give you today. I, I think he just wants to bless you. He loves giving you good gifts. Why don't you this morning, why don't you just in this moment say, Lord, what would you want to give me today? How might you want to bless me today? I'm your kid. I know you love me. Let's just wait in silence for a moment. Listen. I think uh, for some this morning, um, you've been one that has been fixated easily on your mistakes and your failures, and uh, the Father wants you to say, I'm, I'm, let, I'm so done with that. Let's just, let's park that. Let's just set that aside. That's not meant to define you. I am so a, a fan of you, and i cheering the steps you have made. <laughs> You're better than you think. <laughs> I see the goodness in you, the Father says. And I, I think the, the Father would want you to hear that today. Yes, you're broken, but, but that's not what defines you. You are defined by the, the Father's absolute love and commitment to you. Just, why don't you receive that this morning?
I wonder uh, this morning if there's those who um, you live your life striving, pushing. Uh, there's a, a performance about how you live because you're trying to prove yourself. And, and, and reality is maybe you're trying to prove yourself to an earthly parent who had high expectations and, and uh, sensed that the Father would want to release you of that today and that you might be able to live and rest in his love for you. Live out of that. Stop this hurried, harried, trying so hard. I want you to rest. And so, Father, I pray, you who know what we need, you who receive us with wide open arms always, might we in these moments receive your embrace, your gifts, your love, your touch. Heal us where we're broken. (laughs) Heal us where we've got warped views of you. Help us anchor our lives in your absolute goodness, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' awesome name.